0: That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity.
1: Listener discretion is advised.
0: Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm St. Raymer. You're listening to that Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. Once again, we're coming to you live from San Diego at the Innovations and Recovery Conference. Man, we got a bunch of podcasts we're doing, and we'll put them out um, shortly after. So look for those the rest of the day, uh, today, tomorrow, and, uh, and throughout the uh, throughout the week. Well, I guess, what day is it already? It's Wednesday? I can't remember what day it is anymore, but what the hell, we're still doing the thing. Now, today we're going to be talking uh, to Harry Nelson. Uh, Harry's the co-founder and managing partner of Nelson Hardyman, a healthcare and life sciences law firm uh, based in L.A., Uh, He's also the co-author of the 2017 book From Obamacare to Trump Care: Why You Should Care For those of you who have listened to the show for a while You may remember we had Harry on last year At uh, at, uh, the Innovations in Recovery Conference Uh, This year he's got a new book out The United States of Opioids A Prescription for Liberating a Nation in Pain uh, Published by Forbes Books Uh, We're going to talk to him today about the new book What's going on Uh, But before we do that Be sure to check us out at ThatSoberGuy.com. You can connect with us on Instagram at RealThatSoberGuy and on Twitter at Shane Lamer. Uh, I mentioned Innovations in Recovery Conference. Some of you guys go, what the hell is that? It's about everything new in behavioral health care. So we're here to bring you some of the top experts and recovery advocates to help inform you on what's going on uh, inside the recovery community, the recovery industry, uh, as well as have some fun. So if you want some more information about any events Foundations puts on, you can go to FoundationsEvents.com. And then last, uh, finding the right treatment option for addiction and mental health illness can be tough. Uh, that's why we've continued to partner with Foundations Recovery Network. Uh, they, ha- they have they uh, have high ethical standards. They stay true to their mission, uh, and they also have a treat uh, a nationwide uh, treatment facilities, both inpatient and outpatient. Uh, so if you or a loved one needs some help, you can go to foundationshelp.com/soberguy, or you can call 81 sober. That's 833-81-SOBER. You can talk with an admissions coordinator uh, about treatment options. They can answer any questions for you. I promise you'll be well taken care of. Once again, that's 833-81-SOBER. Harry, welcome to the show, man. How are you?
1: Great, Shane. Great to be with you.
0: Yeah, good to be with you too, man. So uh, uh, back again, and I appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. Uh, We did the show last year, which was great. Um, At that time, you had the book out, Obamacare, Trump Care, Why We Should Care. Uh, how did how did that go for you? Uh, what's changed since then?
1: Um- you know, the book was a great uh, it, w- it was a great platform to get out and try to get a message to calm people down. My my biggest message is to get away from the politics. You know, our healthcare discussion in this country is so polarized, and people to say Obamacare is terrible, we have to get rid of it. People say. It, it, it saved their lives, and the bottom line is, we really need to find practical solutions. Yeah, and uh, so I, the book was good. I, I got a lot, of, a lot of attention. It pulled me into conversations with a lot of high-level government uh, people, and nice. and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. We're, we're still thinking about doing a uh, an updated version on nice. kind of where where things are headed.
0: Do you find that um, that almost there's this uh, this this uh, divide strategy, almost so nothing ever gets done. It's just like going back and forth. I'm right, you're right, I, and then obviously there's agendas involved. Um, what, what was your take on that? Yeah,
1: you know, you're exactly right. I don't know if it's a strategy so much as a reality. <laughs> it's the problem is yeah. we, you know we're the. If you listen to the Democratic candidates for president, everyone's saying Medicare for all. You yeah. listen to the Republicans, the president was ready to you know go take another whack at 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 getting rid of the whole Affordable Care Act, rolling back Medicaid. Yeah. And I think the the good news I think for all of us is that they they're sort of a paralysis, right? And so it means that uh, it means that what we have in place isn't going away. Uh, uh, and it, but it also means that everybody's got to take accountability yeah. and be proactive in, in figuring out what you what what you and people you care about yeah. uh, need in terms of healthcare.
0: Yeah, I was I always have that thought too. Like, if we came together just as people and as Americans or as uh, just people in general, and we kind of put down some of the the labels of um, you know left right. Whatever the hell it is, um, it'd be a lot easier to get things done. It seems like. Yeah, because I know
1: I couldn't <laughs> agree more.
0: I think we look—we have a practical
1: problem, and the problem is, I'm going to talk about this actually later today at the at the uh, conference. Is that we, we're really good as a country at, at investing in late stage intervention mm-hmm. uh, in health problems, but if we're going to have good health. A good healthcare. We we all need to be taking early, yeah. you know, preventive steps and not yeah. waiting for it to get bad. And and I think that uh, I think the the politics are not helpful. Yeah, We totally. just we need people to come together and have practical conversations about how we provide the different kinds of care that different people need.
0: Well, and I, and so when you say that, that makes me automatically go to well. There's not a lot of money involved in that. Is that a true statement yeah, or a fair no, statement? Yeah,
1: no. You're you're onto a, a very important point. We have the most for-profit oriented healthcare system in the world. And th- that's just the way our system is built. But what? But that's part of the reason is that it is it, you know it takes government public investment into prevention and education, and, and it's we don't have that, so the burden falls on 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 uh, employers and on on other resources yeah. on on big health systems and health plans to try and get a preventive message out there, and we're not doing a very good job of it. Yeah.
0: Would the quality go down if it was um, more of a a, a free um, healthcare system? Would the quality go? I mean, wh- so
1: you know, the problem is it's resource allocation, right? So wh- wh- where you get your healthcare m- makes a big difference to what kind of healthcare you get. So yeah. the challenge is that what the what we what happened with the Affordable Care Act was we opened up healthcare to a lot more people. Uh, but but if you were in that Medicaid population of the poorest Americans, you know it, it was it was wonderful because you, you you had no access to care, and now all of a sudden you had access to care. If you were in the middle, if you were in the the working middle class with jobs that didn't provide health care, you're still kind of in a bad position. So mm. the problem is that we have a lot of people who need care, and we need to find we need to find better care, but also lower lower priced care. We need yeah. to reduce the the per patient cost, which comes back to this whole point of. How do we get to preventive wellness? How do we rethink wellness? Uh, part of my big agenda in uh, in the first book and in this book has been to try to get people to rethink wellness as being not just your weight and uh, um, whether you smoke or drink or yeah. substance use, but yeah. also to think on a more profound level, even beyond physical help, exercise, sleep, nutrition, about social and emotional wellness, Got about it. financial wellness, getting rid of the anxiety and the stress yeah. that is, is leading to disease.
0: Yeah, so the book is called United States of Opioid, uh, United States of Opioids, um, and uh, there's a subtitle I think to that isn't there? Liber- a, a prescription, prescription for liberating a nation in pain. So it says it lays out a roadmap for a way out of the. And, and a lot of people talk about. We saw the movie Heroin uh, the first night here, which was really, really good, man. Um, but the, you know, the deadliest, pub, deadliest. Hu- public health crisis in U.S. history, I mean, that's a uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, um, so, so
1: my agenda in writing this book, you know, I, I, I was blessed to be pulled into conversation with the highest level policymakers in America. And I was, at, I, you know, it's funny, as a lawyer, I was like a kid in a candy store <laughs> sitting around the table <laughs> with all these high level people. But yeah. I also, I walked away disturbed that we don't really have answers, you know, coming out of our government. But the more I, I kept looking at the problem and trying to figure out what what the answers were... Part of the problem is that this this problem is so big, right? It's not just opioids is the last 20 years, but we have 40 years in this country of an exponentially rising overdose death curve. You know, we have 20 million people uh, uh, dealing with addictions, with substances, uh, uh, and, and then we have this huge population in pain. And the question is, what are we going to do? So my solution, my, my answer is, we've got to think of this as a grassroots problem, and we have to think of new settings of care and address it in the workplace, address it in schools yeah. and in our homes. And we need to empower people. We need to give people new language, new skills, mm-hmm. uh, new awareness to try to take this thing on because our government is, gonna, is, is containing the number of overdose deaths with things like th- distributing the naloxone the overdose reversal drug yeah. and and there there and and more people are living because of you know buprenorphine and medication assisted treatment but those are not solutions the yeah. real solutions the it may take a generation but it has to start with everybody taking responsibility for engaging you know part of the problem underlying this is is isolation and people being disconnected and being and 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 not having uh, uh, the this, this the skills and the to, and the network to cope with what's going on around them yeah. and turning very quickly to, um, unfortunately, to, uh, to substance use. And, and so I think it starts with changing the way people think about this and, and everybody taking on responsibility yeah. for being part of the solution.
0: When you're saying too, so really getting out in front of it and educating folks. So that's, I mean, not even well, the first thing I think about is my kids. Like, how am I going to talk to my kids about this? Do They know I'm in recovery. Right, they're on, they're four and eight, you know, so they're on the younger uh, end right now. But as my daughter especially gets older, I want to be open with her about this stuff. She's going to learn about it eventually, you know. So I need to be talking to her and educating her and answering those questions so so she I can we can be part of that. Change. So
1: that's so I have two messages. I think you're exactly right. So to me, the two things I say the two two of the things I talk about in the book are number one, we need to normalize uh, all of the stress and the underlying drivers. Yeah. Right, we've got to let our kids know that we um, that, that, that we struggle I tell I t- I've had conversations with my kids about my daily insecurities right yeah, like I, I, I published this book and I had in the back of my head I this of uh, this fear I said oh my god no one is gonna who cares about what I have to say do I really have anything to add to the conversation <laughs> so, yeah. so I tell That's my so kids normal. I make a point of on a daily basis telling my kids age-appropriate stories that, that that let them know that it's normal, and I think we need to do that as parents, I think we need to do that in schools. Yeah. And the other piece is, I think we live in a society, you know, I think a lot of what's going on is we are living in the most stressed out time in I think our telephones, you know, we're always on, we're every, we're getting yeah. blasted, and we have we yep. don't, we need to develop mindfulness and we need to. Develop a uh, uh, response flexibility so that we so that w- we need to do it ourselves, and we need to teach our kids yeah. to do it, and so that they are not so that they develop some resilience to all of the triggers, because we are a, we are a country of people who are just getting triggered, and and heading
0: for a pill or yeah, a yeah. Well, I was going to say yeah, it's like we want to numb out. So, and I think what you're what you're saying is the way I understand it is, um, we need to to be open about it, talk about it, right? Um, but we're not. We need to be okay with feeling like it's normal to feel a little bit of anxiety it's normal to feel stressed out it's normal to feel like oh shit, what if i fail you know what i mean those types of things no we don't and that's i think you bring up a good point it's like you go to the doctor for some of this stuff and and i'm not knocking doctor everything's different you know individual cases for sure but here's a pill just yeah. take this; you'll feel better because of that. And then, what does that lead to? The next thing, and the next thing, and then uh, it's a snowball effect from there.
1: A hundred percent. So every, every, you know, everything is happening on a continuum, right? There are people. I, I'm, I'm a person who deals with anxiety, and I manage it through prayer, through exercise, through yeah. connection, connecting with friends. And there are going to be people who have to go, who are going to see a, a see a doctor, and they're going to need medication. And Absolutely. I, and I think we have to not judge Absolutely. where people are in the continuum. But the important thing for me is when you look at what's driving people, particularly kids, to substance use, and, and I think it's not even kids, I think it's everybody, what, what's going on is there's some underlying I- issue, yeah. and then there's, it's wrapped in shame, right? And the shame is what stops us from reaching out and talking to the people in our lives and saying, hey, this is what's going on with me. And if we could normalize it, we would. Er- if, we could, if we could reduce, eradicate that shame, then we would be able to have conversations and our yeah. kids would come to us and, 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 and let us know what they're dealing with. Because I think, I mean, I see so many stories where the parents tell me, 5 years after their kids have been through recovery, you know, and they're still struggling with keeping it on on the path, they they're str- they're, they're only then realizing that their kids were really self-medicating against something that the kid that the child couldn't even uh, vocalize because they were so they were show- they were so convinced they were the only person in the world yeah. who was the, you know, my friend said to me, my daughter told me, my 13-year-old daughter said to me later, I was the, I felt completely worthless and I was convinced I was the only person in my school who who just had no value. And, uh, it's and that's we have to be able to talk about those things, yeah. and and get a reality check on the stories that we're all telling ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And it that's sad to think that that a, that a kid has to go, you know, go through that and not have any um, any resources or know that it's okay to talk about that kind of stuff. We did a podcast yesterday with my my good buddy T J Woodward. And we talked a lot about that he talks a lot about toxic shame that's that's one of the big things in in his program conscious recovery but we also talked about it's not so much about learning things it's about unlearning things so we need to unlearn some of this stuff we're programmed as kids um you know to no fault of parents or whatever it just happens and it's like man i need to unwind some of this stuff uh and start to work it out and not look at so much man, it's, I'm, I'm drinking, I'm using drugs. Well, like you said earlier, what's the underlining causes of that? And we're starting to have these open conversations. That's what's going to provide some relief.
1: 100%. That to me is the most important thing. And our, and our government isn't doing it, so we've got to do it. Yeah, why That's- is that? I think it's too big. I think it's I think yeah. it's too big of a problem, and and I think politicians have a hard time because they can't say things that are going to be too unpopular or they won't I get know. reelected. And I know I hate that. But I think you know the message. One of the things. So one of the things that's come out in the uh, government response is we've we've identified that kids in middle school are at risk. But one of the since I wrote the book, I've had people coming to me, and I've had cl- clinicians blow my mind with what I'm about to share with you, really? which is that that anxiety, severe pediatric anxiety, is starting. To show up at age four and five, wow. and it's often being confused with autism spectrum disorder. And so, you know, parents need to be thinking about this, not not waiting until their kids are in middle school or high school. This is a uh, this is literally showing up in preschools and in early elementary. And you, you know, when your kid is is for example, this uh, 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 this was a, uh, a, a provider who said to me, we're seeing kids, girls, you know, boys who are who are going to the bathroom. They're asking to go to the bathroom uh, twenty times in a three, four hour period. That's, that's not a, a, only a biological issue. That's an anxiety issue. Yeah. And it's saying, it says something about that, that parents need to be paying attention to. And, and this is, so I really think this is critical work that can make a huge difference in our in our kids lives.
0: And so you think that it in not in in getting out in front of that that can help prevent later on say middle school high school and turning to, I mean obviously you're still going to have the social issues peer pressure that Look, kind of I'm, stuff that's common but. I'm
1: I'm 51 years old I yeah. still deal on a daily yeah, basis with exactly. anxiety and, yeah. you know but the point is you have to you have to be checked in enough you have to have enough people who give you a reality check and enough of a wellness program which is going to be different for every person. Yeah, that keeps you together, so that you know when you need to reach out, when you need to get support from somebody else, or from a, a, a from a treatment provider, right? And I think yeah. that I think that is a we have to really rethink it as a lifelong uh, uh, challenge.
0: Why, why Why do you think that um, from a government standpoint they don't promote more of a health and wellness, more of a, a holistic way of, of living? There's a lot of information that supports that. There's people that use it daily, like yourself. I do. I do myself. I have a lot of friends and stuff too. But it seems like that, um, from from that perspective, is kind of squashed.
1: So I think our system. You know, part of what Obamacare to Trump Care was about for me was kind of unpacking how our health system developed. And the reality is, like, you know, we only have a government health care system for 50 years. Before that, it was really religious organizations. It was employers. And so, you know, our system got built out with uh, as as providing like late stage care and we didn't have that same social support network. I think part of it is the American, you know, Amer- America is a place of freedom, individual freedom and we yeah. so we've been much more hesitant to put down guidelines and education and preventive programs. And the other thing I think is, you know, there's an expression, I think it comes from Maslow. He said, if if you walk around with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Yeah. So when you when you when you have a system that's got lots of people who are good at solving the problem when it's gotten really bad, then you don't invest in in the early you know at risk work where where uh, cuz there's cuz because you're that's not where you that's not how you make your living right yeah. Yeah, i yeah. mean i have gotten really into the work of dr john sarno i talk about in the book he was a arizona doctor who he really promoted mind body connection and started saying that pain a lot of pain head, headaches stomach pain back pain was a reflection of people suppressing their stress and their rage yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and and not being able to express it in the world. And the, the medical establishment, the spine surgeons and the, the doctors, the pain medicine community said he was crazy. It's only after he's, <laughs> he's his death that we're getting studies that prove out everything yeah. he said. There's very much a, you know, how you think is how you feel yeah. uh, for both for good and for bad.
0: Someone should bring that man flowers and say, you were right. <laughs> Here you go, man. Yeah, but that's... Um, how, how big is uh, meditation and prayer for you in your own like- oh it's
1: huge I know I ha- I actually I, I have I prayed three times a day and wow. it's uh it's that's a huge awesome. thing I've tried to pull people around me into it yeah. in my office we have a prayer service that for you man uh, that's really cool. yeah. yeah
0: it's really cool yeah I know for uh for my wife and I and my kids I mean that's one of the my four-year-old he, he prays it's so awesome like we'll sit down at the dinner uh, table and if if, so, if we're in you know maybe we're hurrying trying to get the soccer He's always the one that reminds. Oh no, we need to pray, Mom, Dad. We and his prayers are funny too. Like you know, it's like so I always want him to pray because they're kind of funny, but they're so. It's just such a good thing, and it's a family bond too that we have in 100%. that. And there's something about it um, where I can let go of all the stuff of the day, and I can give it up and not let go. It, it literally feels like a weight off your shoulders. Well,
1: that's that's a, it's a huge thing. That's why I started doing it. Also, not only in the morning and the evening, but in the middle of the day. And yeah. and and what I what I notice is you know it's even if in a day where it's hard to really focus, it forces you to. Stop, yeah. and, and it gives you a little yep. rest and recovery, and, and a moment for whatever you be, your beliefs are for gratitude, right? for Absolutely, For being alive man. in
0: this moment. Absolutely. The gratitude thing is the best. Like, just, I try to wake up and go, all right. I'm alive today. <laughs> Let's just start there. You know what I mean? It's such a good thing. So where can folks uh, find the book? Uh, anything else about the book you wanted to mention? Or? No,
1: I'm excited. It's been out three. This is actually, the, today is the beginning of week four of nice, its release. Man. It sold 5,000 uh, hardcover copies. So nice, the word's congrats. getting out there. I'm really grateful for everybody who's been it's part a, of it. I love
0: the cover too, man. Thank it's you. It's so great. Yeah, uh, it looks um, really nice.
1: Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's uh, it's uh, it's on other places too, but that's been uh, where, that seems yeah. to be where everybody buys books these days. The yeah. audio book is coming out in the... Uh, about a week so uh right. yeah. did you do the audio for it i recorded the audio good yeah. for you man yeah. i always
0: like when authors do their own audio there's something about it that uh is just makes it a little bit more uh intimate it's funny I, you know I, I have
1: friends who are actors who have great voices and i'm yeah. like oh you it sounds so good if you did it but i i and it was a long time it's a serious it was 14 15 hours of recording time yeah, it's a lot to record uh, to get to a two hour two and a half hour book but uh um yeah it was no it was a great experience and uh, i'm excited i'm excited to share it i think it's you know, I hope it's one more piece of the puzzle of, of getting to a, a solution in this thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Thanks for your work, man. Appreciate it. And thank you for spending a little time with us today. No, man. I,
1: I, yeah. I'm honored to be on. I love love the love the show.
0: And yeah. uh, it's great to be with you. Right on. Thank you, man. Uh, check us out at ThatSoberGuy.com. Uh, also, you can connect, connect with us on Instagram, at guy at Shane Raymer on Twitter. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Well, we're at Innovations in Recovery in San Diego. Love you, guys. Thanks for all the support. Peace, love, and respect. Peace, love, and respect. Keep my head on straight I've been trying To keep my head on straight You still say that
1: I don't know anything about you Oh, I don't know anything about you But I know what you do in the back room say that i don't know anything about you